This is OTB AM. On this morning's OTB AM, former Dublin hurler Ryan O'Dwyer gave us his thoughts about the black card. The black card, I'm still not a fan of it. Um, and the simple reason is, hurling is just a, it's a Warriors game. Because it's a quicker game, you, you don't really get the time to be too cynical. Kenny Cunningham had his say about the possibility of Stevie G getting a Premier League medal. Well, maybe if that keeps Stephen Gerrard happy, uh, maybe getting towed along. Uh, in a little high eight behind the, the main open top bus. Join us tomorrow morning from half past seven where we'll get reaction to the game at Stamford Bridge between Chelsea and Manchester United with Andy Mitten. OTB AM, Ireland's only sports breakfast show, weekdays from 7.30am, only on OTB Sports Radio. Live 24-7 on the Go Loud app. Oh, and there he goes. I don't fear being knocked out. I don't fear nothing. When that bell rings on the 22nd of February, it's going to be a war. The biggest heavyweight title fight since Mike Tyson won his 2002. Well, the two best heavyweights in the world, better than they've ever been before. But I can't bet against Tyson Fury. There's going to be a knockout, a Tyson Fury knockout. I'm knocking him out in dramatic fashion. You are one thunderous right hand away from the fight being done. I've never been as quick, I've never been as explosive. That's what he's good at, his mouth. Just talk, 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 talk. I ain't done, pal. I'm undefeated. I'm undefeated, boy. I'll rip the head off your back. I'll beat you once, and I'll beat you again. <laughs> You're going to feel pain like you never felt before. I'm the Gypsy King. I am the Bronze Bomber. Yeah, there we are. So... Deontay Wilder against Tyson Fury this Saturday, MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Delighted to say Andy Lee, who has been part of the Fury coaching ticket and will be in the corner on Saturday, joins us live from uh, Las Vegas, I presume. Andy, you're live. How are you doing? I'm good, Joe. How are you? Very well, very well. Where are you at the moment? I'm in Henderson, Nevada. Um, just about 10 minutes outside of downtown Las Vegas on the Strip. At the training camp with Tyson Fury. Very good. And are you guys all staying in the same house, or are you in your in your separate hotel rooms, or what's been the makeup this week? Yeah, it's a couple of houses, um, right, one around the corner from the other. Um, and this is all we're seeing. For, well, I've been here constantly, well, since for the last three weeks. But I've been up and down um, from Los Angeles, where I was training Jason Quigley. Um, but all it's been is gym, house, gym, house, gym, house. <laughs> we haven't really had much, any extracurricular activities. And um, I can say he's very focused and he's he's done everything that's, that a champion should do. Mm. You know, you'd be surprised how many people, even though they're training hard, they might cook corners in other aspects of their preparation. But he has done everything really much perfect. He's been eating well. He's got this great chef nutritionist, uh, George Lockhart, who works with a lot of the top UFC fighters and other top boxers like Golovkin and Butter Jack here preparing all his food and um, he's, he's eating five times a day, drinking gallons of water and yeah, he's, he's doing everything. And in, in the gym, he's training and preparing as hard as he possibly can. He's very focused, very serious and very determined. About his work and uh, yeah, um, um, uh, he's in a really good place and like, we're just ready for the fight now. How long have you guys been in camp, Andy? Uh, Tyson's been here. Tyson's got here before Christmas to acclimatise, and he was here two weeks before the rest of the guys joined him, which was January first. 
And how has it gone? Camps can have setbacks, have injuries. Uh, they can they can go very well, I presume, as well, without giving away any state secrets. Because I understand the week of a fight, you know, you want to be relatively tight-lipped. But in the main, has it been a straightforward camp? Uh, yes, and the one one word I would say to describe it has been harmonious. Um, there's been no drama, no no chaos. It's been like as I said about him doing everything right. He's had he's got a masseuse here with him. And the physio, he's got a standing conditioning guy here with him. He's got George, who's doing all the food and nutrition. And he's got me and Sugar Hill to take care of the boxing. So he's he's also got another guy who's like the camp coordinator, Tim. Um, so everything's kind of been taken care of. And there's, it's been really stress-free. He's knowing what he's doing from every, like every day. There's a plan, a training plan. He's, he knows what he's going to be doing from in three days in advance. Um, everyone's coordinated so that he knows what food to eat and yeah, it's been, like, everyone at this close of IT has been a great training camp, but it really has. And, uh, mm. yeah, he's in good spirits. He's in good spirits now. It's just about getting in there and doing the job. And I'm, I'm sure it's been an unusual training camp for him because he's been learning things and working on things that he's never done before. Um, working on his weaknesses instead of his strengths, which is which hopefully will pay dividends because it will add to what he already has as a boxer and what, what like what he already is. We'll try to we'll try to add things to that, not change him dramatically, but just add to what what he already has. That's very interesting because I was going to ask you about your role, and one of the areas I wanted I wanted to pick your brains on was uh, whether you do try and teach a fighter who is what thirty one years old. Do you try and teach somebody that age, that experienced, who's a very accomplished boxer as well, new things, or is it just a case of honing what he already has down? So clearly. Uh, working on weaknesses suggests some new things being learned. Yeah, and I think Tyson will admit himself, he's never really been taught the basics of boxing. Um, and he's always kind of gotten off of it by his own ability. And, yeah, he brought in myself and Sugar Hill as his new coach. But uh, before he would have, what he said is that he would have worked on things he was already good at and just drilling them and repeating them. Yeah. But now, I, like it's not you're not going to completely, uh, you know, change him dramatically in such a short period of time. But definitely add to his job. I think his job's improved. Uh, it's hard to put a percentage on it, but his job has improved. Now it's a real weapon. It's not just a flicking occupational job used to occupy his opponent and distract him. Now his job is an actual weapon that will jolt while his head back if it lands flush. And. His feints have improved, even though he was a great fainter before Before that. He had great feints. His feints have improved, and I think his ring generalship has improved. Manipulating his opponent and, and controlling him with footwork and feints to move maneuver him where he wants to be in order to land punches. Mm. I think Tyson before would have um, just kind of improvised as he went through the fight and went from moment to moment, and wherever he found himself, then he would deal with that situation and then go to the next situation and the next exchange. But now he's definitely plotting ahead and setting things up that hopefully will will set like set traps that will pay dividends somewhere down the line. Okay, so th- this is a fighter who, for a long time, has just relied on his sheer talent in the moment. I think so. Like no disc- no discredit to his former coaches because he was a very accomplished boxer. Always had a always seemed to have a good game plan. But in terms of the technique of throwing punches and how to throw punches and how to have your legs planted and have your balance and your core engaged and 
small little things. I think he's been learning new things that he's never really practiced before. I wanted to ask you what kind of fight you expect, and again, again, I do appreciate it's it, that's a, you're, you're slightly conflicted here in, in how open and honest you can be. But uh, certainly, Fury is talking about needing a knockout to guarantee a win. I need a knockout. I don't want another controversial decision. I want a defining win, and he's been very upfront about that. And I know in the first fight you were doing BBC Live commentary with Mike Costello. And you made the point, I think, in that fight that there was maybe an opportunity in that fight to really uh, put the foot in the gas and maybe go for the knockout in that fight. So this is the kind of mood music we're getting from the camp for sure. The only way to guarantee victory is by knockout in boxing. Um, so if there is an opportunity, uh, he's prepared to knock Wilder and he's prepared to go to business if he has to. Mm. But if there is an opportunity, if he, like, if he hurts Wilder like he did in the first fight, then he'll try. He'll try. All you can do is try, you know. And sometimes it might happen. Sometimes you might catch him flush. Sometimes he might rebound. Sometimes you might, your opponent might survive that moment and clinch or get, get out of it somehow. But he would definitely try. In the first fight, he didn't try. He was encouraged to back off any time he hurt Wilder and not engage with Wilder. But this time he will try. He'll definitely go for it. And that's, yeah, that's, that's the attitude he'll be carrying into the fight. It's, it's hard to predict what fight it's going to be. It could be a slow fight. Wilder is a slow starter, um, and he likes to paw and, and figure, figure out his opponents and try to set up, look for opportunities to land the right hand. Mm. Um, but Tyson's going to go to him straight away. I think he's going to go straight to him and put pressure on Wilder and force Wilder to make mistakes. That's 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 basically our game plan. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we, I don't know if Wilder's listening to Off the Ball this evening, so I may, may not get yeah. back to him. Um, and because I can understand uh, the, the 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 game plan in theory from the first fight, given that you know, I think in most people's eyes, even before you started working with Tyson Fury, you would have said he was the more accomplished uh, boxer, and Wilder has this ferocious power. So I I understand the temptation to sit back a little bit and outbox this guy from a distance and avoid that power that Wilder has? Yeah, it's just, it's just like, it's not, a, it's not a coin toss, really, but it could be. You know, if you stand there with a, with a big punch in front of you, then then there's always a risk of getting caught yourself. Mm. But there are ways to do it. And um, we put, like... When he got knocked down twice in the first fight, it was at times when Tyson was dipping his head, trying to avoid the right hand, and he actually didn't see the punch come because his head was so low or turned away. The first part, first knockdown, he was against the ropes, he was defensively switched on, but he got low with his head, and actually ended up looking down at the ground when he got punched in the back of the head and he was down. The second knockdown, when he was in the center of the ring, he wasn't as defensively switched on because he thought he was safe in the center. He dipped his head to avoid the right hand and turned away and got hit again, mm. kind of behind the head on the neck. So it's important, and I know it sounds simple, but he keeps his eyes on Wilder at all times in this fight because he will adjust. Even if he doesn't adjust, if, he's, if his reaction is too late, subconsciously his eyes will see the punch and they will make an adjustment. Um, so it's important that he keeps his eyes all the time on Wilder, and that will take a lot of, that way. That will help him deal with Wilder's right hand a lot, yeah. whether he smothers it, whether he slightly moves out of it, out of the way, or maybe he takes his thing out of it by slightly moving out of the way. Um, we've also, like, he's also practicing practical defenses too for the right hand in terms of having a strong left arm um, and controlling Wilder with that left arm. So 
Like it's it's it, why do is a devastating puncher. He's probably, uh, he's, God knows the biggest puncher in boxing history. So Tyson could have the perfect preparation, which he has had, mm. had the perfect plan, which mm. he, I think he has. But one punch from Wilder mm. can end it, in, you know, in a second. So yeah. it just has to be switched on and focused all times during this fight. It, it's what makes it's what made the, made the first fight so compelling and that constant threat will make the second fight so compelling. Uh, what about you then? So uh, suddenly you find yourself pretty much uh, with a, well, I was going to say a ringside seat, literally uh, a ringside seat uh, in the corner of what will be the centerpiece of uh, global sport this weekend. You know, this is a massive fight and, and you're going to be there. I, nobody needs me to tell them that you're obviously a very thoughtful <laughs> fella. Uh, how have you prepared yourself uh, for, I guess, that challenge, you know, uh, the pressure, this is big time, this is MGM Grand, this is microphones listening to what Andy Lee and Sugar Hill are saying to Tyson Fury between fights, analysing what you're saying, the game plan. Uh, have you given uh, that some thought, That you know, your performance on Saturday? No, I know I have to be switched on. I asked Adam Booth for, you know, when I was starting as a coach, what some advice, and he said, when you're boxing, you have to be totally inside yourself. And you have to be oblivious to everything that's going on outside of yourself and just be in the moment in the dressing room and then in the fight. But as a coach, you have to be switched on to everything that's going on outside. You have to be careful of who's coming into contact with the boxer, who's coming into contact with you, who's doing what, where and when. And so, obviously, I'll keep that in mind. But, look, you have a tendency to put these things on a, on a pedestal or because they're held on a, in the big arena and there's a big crowd there and... Whatever, those things might affect it. But what, what's actually happened is nothing different from what we do day to day in the gym mm. in terms of instruction and communicating. And what Tyson does is no different as well. What the boxers do in the ring, it's no different from Spawn. The only thing is that there's a crowd there to watch and they have small gloves on. Mm. Um, so I think just do what we always do. And, uh, <laughs> just take it as it comes, you know. Yeah. Like it is, it is a huge honor to be here mm. and to be, you know, to be asked to help out. I think that I have something to offer. Um, but look, I'm just hoping I'm, we're prepared on the fight and we'll reflect on it all when it's over. But right mm. now, it's all about business and I, getting the job done. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. Um, incredibly exciting, though. I presume you're feeling all that in particular this week. I am, like, I'm telling you, we're out here in Henderson, we're in the middle of the desert, and like we we haven't seen anybody, <laughs> we haven't seen anybody. We see our neighbour. We actually we saw the neighbour. is an old guy who's out shoveling the gra the gravel out in front. So we all got that with picks and picks and shovels and helping shovel the gravel. That's basically the only contact we've had outside of the council. Tomorrow the grand arrival is yeah they call it the grand arrival. It's like an event where Tyson arrives at the NGM and there'll be crowds and there'll be a ring and he'll probably get in the ring and do a bit of shadow boxing. So I think once we get to that, we'll know we're at the big fight. But until then, until then up to now, it has been, it's been, as I said, to the house, to the gym and back. Mm. The, gla the glamorous stuff. Uh, yeah. This is an unfair question, so answer it whatever way you want. But I was sort of curious to know, and I, like, I know Sugar Hill is obviously uh, part of camp as well. Is it, is it, is it Adam's, Adam Booth's voice you hear in your head in camp? Or is it Emmanuel's voice in your head or a mixture of the two? You, you pick from the best of them both? A mix of the two, um, but I'd say with Sugar Hill being here and 
being in America and the Kronk, the kind of Kronk, Emmanuel's kind of, I don't want to say he's ghost, but he's definitely looming, looming over this camp because, you know, Tyson came to Detroit, he trained with Emmanuel, he came to Detroit, he lived with Emmanuel and me, and um, he worked with Sugar Hill then, and when he called me, Tyson, to discuss finding a new coach and who who we just discussed all the train all the trainers are out all the notable trainers and mm. um, we settled on Sugar Hill because well it was the one I was thinking about all the time in the back of my mind mm. um, because I know the personalities and I know the style of the way Sugar Hill trains and I knew that it would gel well um, so he's kind of come around full, not full circle but there's a circle and uh, um, he's back kind of in that crunk mode so yeah I would say that it's Emmanuel is it, it, is here with us in some way, and uh, all the decisions we do, and all the instructions, or all the things I do, things I do, even like in terms of wrapping hands or using cocoa butter and different things like that. I always say, what would Emmanuel do in this situation? You know, mm. especially for this camp, anyway. Mm. Uh, and you've enjoyed it. You felt you've made a contribution, and it's it's, it's worked well with sugar. Yeah, I think so. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. It's. It's hard to be away from home. It's hard to be away from my wife and daughter. Yeah. That's the only, that's the biggest sacrifice I'm making and they're making with me being away. But when I'm in the gym and we're working, it's good. It's good. And it's, as I said, it's, it's a privilege to be here. This one of the biggest fights in history. Yeah. And, and uh, to be part of it, like, you know, what I used to say, like, what would it be like to be like around Muhammad Ali when he was preparing for those great fights or, Mm. What would it be like to be around Tommy Hearns and here I am now with, in a similar scenario situation, you know, so yeah. it's good. This, you know, this would be a fight people will look back on and say I was part of it and hopefully part of winning it would be a big deal. It sure will. It sure will. You'll have to get into Niall Kelly. There's another chapter in this book needs doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, part two. Uh, listen, we'll all be watching. Obviously, I think we, we would have been anyway, but you in the corner adds uh, just a whole level of interest to everybody here. So uh, the very, very best of luck. Listen, go well. Hope it goes great. Thank you, Joe. Okay. Great talking to you as best always. Luck, all man. the best. All right. Andy Lee there. Uh, very much part of the Tyson Fury camp. Deontay Wilder fight. Las Vegas uh, this Saturday. And uh, hopefully we'll catch up with Andy in the next uh, week or so as well. That was an Off The Ball Podcast Network presentation.